0: This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 31, for Thursday, March 16th, 2006. Steve Gibson, it's a great day to talk security. How are you today? Yeah, I'm just great, Leo. Great to be back. Yeah. Yeah. We we embarked on a part one of our crypto series, very popular uh, last week, although there wasn't really a lot of hard technical uh, facts in it. It was really mostly about the issues uh, surrounding crypto.
1: Right, although um, we really got a lot of good feedback from it. I think people liked the idea of sort of talking about, okay, you know, the, the, the sociological and moral and ethical aspects of this rather than just plowing directly into you know prime number factorization and all of the all of the technology and in fact one thing that we remember we were like brainstorming uh... toward the end there what different types of applications crypto technology had one thing that we failed to mention at that moment and I just sort of I thought of it you know like an hour later I was like ooh um, was personal storage encryption oh of course yeah yeah i mean like you know true crypt we've talked about before <laughs> That's kind of like and the we... original use of it right <laughs> exactly i mean and, you're and there... about encrypting
0: your files your data
1: uh, yeah or or exactly some like where you know like uh, a partition on a laptop or you you want to encrypt a, a a usb thumb drive so that you know if if you lost control of it, the idea is is you know not for like transporting the information somewhere else, but if you lost control of it, what would you do in order to um, prevent people from having any access to it?
0: Now, will we uh, talk about um, applications like that uh, in this series, or is that for another time?
1: Oh no! I, well, maybe the last. I think episode. I think we'll, um, the idea. My my concept is that we're going to talk about sort of the technology. And the w- the modules and how they fit together, sort of the the, the fundamentals and then i mean there 's so much stuff that depends upon this i mean the one of the reasons I want to do this before we come back to and wrap and wrap up the open VPN uh, stuff is that a lot of the technology that I want to be able to talk about depends upon. And for example, when we talk about TrueCrypt, which is, you know, a fantastic open source technology, you know, to I want to build up a vocabulary so that listeners who've been following along know when I talk about how this stuff works, really what it means. I mean I felt a little uncomfortable. For example, when we were talking about Hamachi earlier on, I wanted to explain exactly why it was so clear that this was secure, but I didn't have the the, the underpinning technology that I knew everyone would be able to get what I was talking about. Yeah, so so, it's so good that's to come really back. yeah.
0: Oh yeah yeah. Okay. So we'll circle we'll circle back and then we'll talk about applications uh, for encryption and uh, Microsoft's built-in encryption versus. Things like TrueCrypt and all of that, but that'll be that'll right. be that'll be later on in the
1: series. Right. Anything else you want to uh, correct or, or yeah. well, a couple a, a couple things. I have a couple new pieces of uh, technology on the GRC site. Um, one of the things that's been happening is you know that we have a feedback form at the bottom of the securitynow.htm page on uh, GRC. Many people do remember to put their email address in the body of their note. And I've always had technology that parses the notes to see if there's a, an embedded email address. And if so, it, it basically it emails their note to me so that when I reply, it just goes back to them. But a lot of people don't remember to do that. And so I get these anonymous postings, which is fine with me, but they'll ask a question that like I'm dying to respond to them. To, and i but they didn't give me their email address right and of course we know for our q a episodes that we'd like to be able to say you know just sort of call out their name and 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 say where they're from and again some people remember to do that some don't and of course if anyone wants to be anonymous I've got no problem with that I mean I'm Mr. Privacy anyway so I've redesigned the form at the bottom of the page so that it's so that there are now optional fields where I'm specifically saying name email address and location which can absolutely be left blank if someone doesn't want to fill them in but I think I'm excited because there have been so many responses that have been anonymous where the person asked me a question I could have easily answered, but I didn't have their email address. So just
0: you're not collecting emails, you're not trying to invade their privacy, it's just so you can respond.
1: And I, I make that very clear on the page. I say totally optional information, and I specifically say their email address will only be used to address their note to me. No record of it is being kept, and that's the case.
0: It's a shame, but nowadays you really always have to say that. Anytime you start collecting yeah. email addresses, people.
1: Well, get and it, I appreciate so. it too, because you know when I go to a site and they need all this from me, it's like oh now what? You know, am I going to start getting bombarded with right. with spam? Right. Right. Well, the other thing that I did is we got this really neat note last week. I I forwarded it to you because it was from a Security Now listener, and I I really liked it. Um, It's it's short, so I'll read it. He said, as a listener of your Security Now podcast, I had planned to upgrade my old copy of Spinrite just to allow, I'm sorry, just to, to show my support of the podcast. But when my boot drive died last night, I knew I needed Spinrite 6 for a different reason. Since my old copy didn't support my new hardware, I upgraded, then downloaded version 6 on a different machine. I burned a boot CD and popped it in the machine with the failed boot drive. A couple of hours later, I'm writing this on the machine with the previously failed drive, wow. and everything works great. That's nice. That's uh, Many nice thanks story. for Yeah, I mean, I loved it. And we've got this page of testimonials like this for SpinRight, but, you know, me and my URLs, it's, I mean, even the word testimonials, I have to, <laughs> it's T-E-S-T-I-M-O-N-I-A-L-S. I mean, it's got as many vowels as it has consonants. Yeah. Anyway, so what I did was, I thought, okay, let's make this easier for people to find because I know that we've got Security Now listeners who are wanting to turn their friends and other people on to SpinRight because we, we've received email like that. So, SpinRight.info. The domain, Spinrite.info, takes you directly to that page... And doesn't matter how you spell right. It's R R I T E R I G H T W R I T E. So just spinright.info. and that's that's the URL we can use from now on, Leo. Steve, you're and learning. Just, you're learning. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm a little slow. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. Nobody. Well, actually, I
0: shouldn't say nobody's ever accused you of being a marketer. You have been accused of being a marketer, but anybody who knows you knows that you're not
1: very good at it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're too much love, of an engineer. I'm I afraid. love the te- I, exactly. I love yeah. the technology. Yeah. Okay now another thing that's going on that is worthy of mentioning because this is a hoax that's been around now for about 6 months and people keep sending me various links to it there's this this there's this hoax that all computers and laptops have built-in hardware keystroke monitoring and the hoax is it's one of those things that's good enough to Almost be believable. It's it, it includes photos of this little inline keystroke logger, which actually is an inline keystroke logger hardware. But the the but the, the claims are that all laptop and some desktop machines have this built in. And the hoax goes on to talk about how this one guy innocently opened up his laptop because he was trying to change something, and he discovered this little lump in the wire between the keyboard and it, it with a wire going to his ethernet adapter and this goes on to say that it you know it's sending the information out and in fact some some moderately respectable sites have unfortunately been perpetrating this and you know I'm, i'm looking at the headline on one page here that says government and computer manufacturers Caught installing hardwired keystroke loggers into all new laptop oh, computers. Oh please, oh please! Uh, but I mean, the, the problem is, you know, people are sending this information to us, wanting to know, you know, oh my God, you know, what do we do? Okay, it's it's a hoax. It is not going on. It was it's, a poorly crafted hoax,
0: as was pointed out very quickly when people saw the the picture. It was just bogus.
1: Yeah, but again, you know, people who aren't so technically oriented are going to say, well. Um, you know, maybe this is possible is, is, you know, could this be really happening?
0: Well, I'm glad we can lay that one flat. There's there's a hoax a minute. Um, I go to scopes.com whenever I get an email like that, that I even, I mean, most of the time I go, <laughs> yeah, right. But if, yeah. but if I don't, you know, if it doesn't, if it is uh, not obviously a hoax, I will go to, to snopes, s n o p e s. dot com, And it's a great site for those things and debunking them.
1: Okay, now, following that, we have something which is unfortunately not a hoax. Uh-oh. Uh, Ars Technica reported yesterday, and it, I've confirmed this, that some researchers in Amsterdam have verified that RFID tags can be viral carriers. Oh yay yay! I know. How would you do that? Um, it turns out if you have a bad, a deliberately malicious RFID tag... And it's read by a, an RFID reader, as these things do, you can cause a buffer overrun <laughs> in the back-end database, oh, yay, yay. which is collecting data, get get code to execute of your choice. <laughs> and, and because the RFID tags can also store information, that that code is able to then update any other non-infected RFID tags, infecting them with the same virus so it spreads. Now, that requires a buffer overflow uh,
0: flaw in the RFID reading code. Does Do all RFID readers use the same code?
1: No. And so so the the, the point of this, it's, I mean, it's not to say that, oh my God, all RFID systems in the world are now bad, but... Apparently, the RFID people haven't been taking enough concern, paying enough attention to issues of security. They never—they
0: and- never thought somebody would attempt a buffer overflow exploit, you know, on <laughs> an RFID tag
1: yeah i mean it, it's just <laughs> which you know, of course this, they would <laughs> this, exactly if it's there if it's there somebody will hack it didn't you know that <laughs> and then so you know th- this goes back to what we've said over and over and over i mean new things are scary because they haven't had time to be proven it's impossible to claim to claim that something new is secure because that's something that only history can judge and of course. Security is a hard thing to do. Clearly, the RFID people, you know, didn't do this on purpose. They just didn't check all their code because this never occurred to them.
0: Well, in fact, if you think about it, I mean, there's very little data in an RFID tag, and uh, you'd think the software to read it would be very simple. It's kind of amazing that something as simple as that has Such a serious flaw.
1: I'm glad that it has surfaced this early, you know, but before we start seeing, you know, RFID-laden passports that are, like, infecting each other and all this. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. On with the show, ladies and gentlemen. Crypto two oh is it 102 or 201 it's been a long time since college i don't know
1: it's uh it, it's our well, second because, edition. because we're going to talk about secret decoder rings mm. i think it's maybe, maybe uh 102 okay uh it, it, it's starting crypto yeah. now it turns out that I mean, and literally, I want to talk about a secret decoder ring because it's it's a perfect, easily visualizable model of of simple crypto, and we're going to talk about how you can take that and extend it to make it unbreakable. Hmm. And and this is essentially what's what so-called symmetric crypto or private key cryptography is about. Now it turns out that the original, I did some research on this, believe it or not, on secret decoder rings, the <laughs> The original rings would would use concentric rings um, the outer ring was alphabetic a through z, mm-hmm. and the inner ring was numeric. They would actually use numbers one through twenty six mm-hmm. and and so you would you would set this to some position the the inner versus the outer ring, and then then look up the message you wanted to encrypt by by looking for the alphabetic character on the outer ring. And then looked in to the the number immediately adjacent it on the inner ring um, that 's how those things actually worked we 're going to modify for the sake of discussion that traditional secret decoder ring because the way normal crypto works is that it translates the the the, the encryption alphabet into other characters of that alphabet now. Hmm. When I say alphabet, I mean the entire set of of possible characters. So not just, for example, a through z. For example, in our ring, we're going to use a twenty eight character or twenty eight symbol alphabet because I want to have a period and a space. So we'll we'll have a through z and period and space, which are which are in a ring on the outside, and we're going to have another a through z period and space which are on a ring on the inside so so we have this 28 symbol alphabet now if the rings are aligned so that a is opposite a and b is opposite b we obviously get no encryption. So, for example, the the term for anything that's unencrypted is sort of by universal agreement is plain text or sometimes clear text. Right. But, I mean, it's not, even if it's not textual, it might be unencrypted binary stuff, which just looks like, you know, gibberish of, of hex junk. But we still call it plain text as sort of a, 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 a term of art in cryptography. Um Con- and 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 similarly, after we do something to the plain text to obscure it, to encrypt it, it's then called ciphertext. Um, again, by agreement. So, if our if our inner and our outer secret decoder ring, our modified secret decoder rings, are aligned, we get no encryption. If so, in order to use this very simplistic um, encoder, you would twist the rings so that they're no longer aligned by some amount. Now, another, another characteristic of this ri- is that there are only 28 possible combinations, that is, 28 possible keys, essentially, for this algorithm, because the, as soon as you go 28 times, you're back around to the beginning. But that turns out to be useful, as, as we'll see in, in a minute also, and we already know that one of those, 28, provides no encryption at all. So if we rotate our secret decoder ring off to some angle, some number of steps, then the process of encoding is looking up, you know, we, we, we write down our message that we want to send, and then for every character, including periods and spaces, since I, we, we have a 28-symbol alphabet on ours, we look up from the outer ring, where we, we find the, the clear text character, and we look down into the inner ring for the matching ciphertext. And you, don't, and you
0: don't move it during that for that message. You leave it that way.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. For for the entire message, you do not uh, rotate the rings relative to each other. You you then run through the whole message, and and you end up with this encrypted character stream. Now you give it to a friend who, and you have to give them one other piece of information. You need to tell them how many places we'll just we'll just say clockwise to rotate the rings. The, the the inner ring from a, it's normal um alignment in order to decrypt this message so so your friend basically sets his secret decoder ring identical to the way yours was set and then performs the reverse operation that is you know for every character on the inner ring he looks at the character adjacent on the outer ring and writes that down and is able to Obviously, reverse the process you used and get back the original message. Simple enough. Simple enough. Well, um, it's, it, it suffers from a couple things. First of all, it obviously suffers from not having many possible keys. That is, as we saw, one of them, that is no rotation of the inner ring, produces exactly the same ciphertext as plaintext. So that's not very good encryption. Right. <laughs> um, then, then, then we only have 27 other settings before we repeat. So it's it's feasible. Even if you if someone got a hold of your your message at school, for example, and they weren't a really fancy cryptographer, they could just put the ring in the first in in, in the first notch away from 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 its its normal synchronized position and try a few characters of the. Of the cipher text to see if it starts to look like English, and then if that doesn't, they 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 click it to the next position and try it again and click it to the next position. They've only got 27 positions total, so in a, in a relatively short period of time, they're going to stumble upon the, the the quote key unquote that you used for for this encryption and be able to decrypt the entire message. Mm-hmm. So so it's not very good from that standpoint. There aren't a lot, a lot a lot of possible keys and we will we will be coming back to that because that's where this so-called 128 bit encryption comes in this the 128 bit or 256 bit or so forth that's the 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 length of the key in binary bits which specifies how many possible keys there are and of course that needs to be a big number for for the sake of brute force testing, that is basically rotating our our decoder ring through all of its possible positions, and in this case there aren 't very many of them mm-hmm. okay now the the analysis say that you you, you wanted to attack the cipher that we 've generated with our with our secret decoder ring, not using brute force for whatever reason you you know you want to do uh, more of a sort of a standard cryptanalysis of the process well that turns out to be not very hard if you knew that this was english for example or whatever language it was probably encoded in, 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 in you could look at a table of the of the f- occurrence of different letters in the language for example we know that a e t and s occur very frequently and so with a, with a, a large enough, with a large enough source message, you count up the number of occurrences of, of each of the ciphertext symbols. And you can, uh, you know, any kind of a, a, a cryptographer would look at this and immediately be, be able to identify what the vowels were and probably what S and, and T is. In fact, it's, and, it's so easy that uh, even
0: some daily newspapers have cryptography, uh, cryptanalysis Problems, you know, challenges like this—they're very easy to do. They're like their crossword puzzle, right? E T A I O N S H R D L U. Etion Shrdlu.
1: <laughs> that's how i know it <laughs> from, from 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 and and that's the Those sequence the of en- english characters yeah, from the right. most frequent down right. toward towards lesser frequent right um now the 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 second clue are character pairs because it, it because there there's strong association in most languages with pairs of characters things that either rarely occur or occur very often and that gives you another clue uh, it, it turns out as, as you go to longer sequences of characters you begin to get a little bit lost you there's not that much statistical weight if, if you look at eight character sequences for example because there's so many possibilities and not many of them tend to occur that often but um um uh the the use of single character and character pairs completely cracks our our simple little code mm-hmm. okay yeah. so so that wasn't such a good encryption who
0: was were decoder rings used for anything else but uh Captain Midnight uh, and, and old time
1: radio serials. I mean, do they go back to Roman times? How long have they been used? Good question. Um, I, I didn't go that far back. I don't think they were ever taken very seriously because it's just they're so easy. So I think obvious. they were. They, yeah, they, yeah, they're just so easy to to to, to crack. Now, um, let's let's dispense with the inner ring and just look at the outer ring. So imagine now that we have a, a, a next-generation um, uh, encoder-decoder system, and all we're going to use is just a single ring of A through Z with period and space. Now, in fact, what we know of the prior design was that all we were really doing was was finding a character and moving a certain distance, a certain number of character spaces for example clockwise and we were wrapping around the end of the of the sequence back to the beginning so for example if you had a and you went three characters forward you'd be bcd mm-hmm. would, would would be your ciphered version or if you were z you'd go three spaces forward you know dot space a would be your ciphered version of that symbol so imagine that that Instead, we just have a single ring, and again, our our key is just how many spaces we go forward. Well, it turns out that there is is a, a simple thing that can be done to create an absolutely unbreakable code system using this approach. And that is, if the number of spaces we go forward... For any given symbol we're encrypting is a random number, and um, as we so, learned before,
0: randomness is really kind of key to creating difficult uh, to decipher things. R-
1: yes, randomness comes in all over the place, and in fact, we'll we'll be talking about the the uses for and the need for cr- w- what are called cryptographically or, or cryptographic quality random numbers. So, so imagine now that. Um, someone had uh, maybe ping pong balls and and drew a number one through twenty eight for 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 how far you could go for it. Actually, we wouldn't want twenty eight because that puts you right back in the beginning. Um, uh, one through twenty seven or one through twenty eight? That's a good question. I had I didn't think this all the way through. But um, so you've got uh, for me. I think I we we want twenty eight ping pong balls. So you you. Um, have a basket of these and you uh, um, swish them around and pull a ball out and write down the number. Put that back in, stir it around again, pull another ball out, write down that number. Put that ball back in, stir it around again, pull a ball out, and so forth. So what you're doing is you're using um, mechanical randomness to create a a string of of really very high quality random numbers, and in fact, this approach was used at in in early wartime to create unbreakable ciphers. So there's, there's one problem, though. How do you communicate this random number to the person who's going to read the cipher? Well, I mean that absolutely is a problem. So <laughs> let's go through the process first. Okay, and and, and because. All the things I mean, that have if you, happened. If you have a
0: ring and you've got two rings, you can give the guy the ring and he can do it. But as soon as we start this random process, how does he know what ping pong balls you pulled?
1: Well, what this is is called is a, it's called a one-time pad is this technology. And so the idea would be it literally an implementation. You'd get a pad of paper and you would sit there or maybe get an assistant to sit there and pull out balls one at a time. Write down the number, the ball that you got, put it back in, stir it around again, and pull out the next one. So basically, you, you create an entire pad of, of random, I mean, truly random numbers, num- numbered 1 through 28. All right. Okay, now, to use this, we take our our existing ring, that is our, our A through Z plus dot and space. We take the ring and, and find the symbol that we want to encrypt and take the first number written down on the pad and move that far clockwise around the ring and write down the corresponding symbol. Then we go to the next symbol that we want to encrypt, take the next number on the pad, go that number forward and write down the the symbol that we we find at the ring that many spaces clockwise around and proceed for the entire message. Now, now we got a great, in, impossible to decode message, even by the recipient. <laughs> well, but 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 that's that's the point that is so critical, and that I wanted to to draw this illustration for. It is it is impossible for anyone to decrypt this message. I mean, it it turns out that what we've done is we've taken. Very very non-random text. We already know that that the the source text can be analyzed all kinds of ways in order to determine you know frequency distributions and characteristics and all that. It turns out though, and this is a a, a critical component of cryptography, is that if you mix your clear text message with a with truly random data. There is no force on Earth, and I don't mean like where we're, we're talking about normal crypto where it'll take X number of machines a certain length of time to get this done. I mean it cannot be done. When you mix a a message with randomness and this this just counting around a ring is a completely valid form of, of mixing where you mix a co- content with something random – no analysis can reverse that process hmm. and that and that's what's so cool i mean none it's it, it's a it's a key concept for, for 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 people to kind of get their their minds around is that it just even though you your message has affected these random numbers because they were random in the beginning pulled from these ping pong balls the result is every bit as random even though there is a way, if you knew the original pad, to, to reverse the process. And so, so, for example, in order to decode this, of course, it, the, 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 the decoding process is pretty clear. Somebody who had the pad that was originally used, or I should say a copy of the pad, that was originally used to in, encrypt this message would take one of the ciphertext symbols and look at the at the va- first value on the pad and go counterclockwise back to the original symbol that was used and write that down. And then take the second ciphertext symbol, look up the second number on the pad, go counterclockwise, and get back to the original text. So they and, need a copy of your pad, is what they need. Yes. And in fact um this approach for example was was used in submarines and to encrypt the 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 most most important data that the government has has ever produced back in the old days and
0: it would still work even with high tech computer analysis today it would still be undecipherable am i right
1: it is more unbreakable than yeah. anything else i mean so, i mean absolutely completely unbreakable and that's the key so this is a good system. Why don't we use it anymore? Well, because of the point you brought up very early on here is how the the key to decrypting it is having a copy of that original one-time pad. Now, the term one-time talks about one of the one of the two great weaknesses first of all you've got to get the pad to the person decrypting it now back in the in 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 wartime what would happen is literally there were people with bingo machines or or ping pong ball machines or whatever reaching into them pulling out numbers creating pads i mean this is you know in the early days of the nsa um Actually, it's probably pre NSA, but but, <laughs> but 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 the idea being, I mean, this was actually done, right. and so submarine captains would go to sea with a briefcase full of these sheets of paper. They had which a pad. They, they had a the duplicate. They, exactly, they had a copy. I mean, it was you know the whole the the whole courier with the handcuffed mm-hmm. to his wrist mm-hmm. case thing, because if this got away. This would completely uh, allow the code to be broken. Right. So, so the idea would be you needed a what we would call a secure channel. You need a secure channel to get the one-time pad to its destination. But once there, you are then able to. I mean, literally during you know the middle of the day, just say the numbers. Out in the air for anyone. I mean, you you could publish them on the front page of the New York Times. Doesn't matter at all what you do because nobody can crack this code who doesn't have the the a copy of the pad that was used to produce it. But that's no the, no analysis.
0: But that's the weak link. Is that there is you have to share. It's a shared key system.
1: Yes it, it well it it is a shared key also known as a private key um and in this case it's also a symmetric key meaning that the the same key in this case, a pad, which is used to encrypt the message, is used to decrypt it. That's what a symmetric key means. It means that the operation, even though you may do something different technically for decryption, for example, in this case, we went back, we went counterclockwise around the wheel to decrypt and clockwise around the wheel to encrypt. So you might do something different, but you're using the same key. So, so it's considered symmetric cryptography. Now I said there were two weaknesses. One being that you know again that you need to have a so-called secure channel. In this case, you know a courier who you trust, and you make sure there's no way for these documents to fall into enemy hands. The second weakness is you absolutely cannot ever reuse the the pad a second time. Why is that? That any pages you use have to be torn up and burned. Hmm. I mean, securely destroyed. The reason is that the as soon as you have two encrypted messages, which were encoded using or ciphered using the same pad, cryptan- cryptanalysis will allow you to basically um, separate the messages from each other and decode the message there there are there are ways you're able to slide two messages um against each other and and non-random peaks occur which which um cryptanalysis is able to then determine you know what was really going on prior to the cryptography and it turns out that some of our enemies who were using one-time pads didn't recognize and this is you know you, you know decades ago didn't recognize the vulnerability of the system and we cracked their codes Hmm. because they were using they were using pads more than one time and so our analysis would 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 check for that happening we found it was happening and we were able to determine what the original pads contents were once we had that we, we could then easily decrypt all the messages that were encrypted with that same pad wow that's pretty amazing so, I mean, it's really neat. I mean, it's, it's interesting, too, because you go from absolutely no force on Earth can decrypt this to it's trivial to decrypt it if you make the mistake of using it hmm. twice. So it absolutely has to be um, only used once. Hmm. Okay, now, let, let, let's go the next step in our development of this. Rather than using a, a ping-pong ball machine and true random numbers, we're going to use a mathematical algorithm to generate random numbers. That is, and in this case, terminology gets a little tricky. I mean, I really have to call them pseudo-random numbers, although I dislike the term because it it implies that, you know, they're not good enough. Or, uh, you know, pseudo-random isn't as good as random. Well, in fact really good pseudo random numbers um are so good that it can take it can take an analysis of millions of them in order to determine that it's that they're not random. The problem um,
0: in general with these is that they repeat after some period of time.
1: Well really cheesy ones do. Oh they um, not all of them yeah. do? No no no. There, there are do some, they reseed it well, is that how they change it Or well if, if if you think about it, if we have for example um 128 bits and if the entire state of our random number generator were 128 bits we know that, that 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 128 bits gives us a certain number of numbers and if we ever hit on one of those again we'd be stuck in a loop ah. but it, ter- it but it turns out that really good random number generators use a huge pool of 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 entropy, essentially, is 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 one of the terms that they use. Is, is they have a, a a big pool of randomness, and the the generator is constantly churning this big entropic pool. And for, so, for example, it might generate the number five five times in a row, and then go off and never do it again. Right. So so I mean, the, the, so really good. Pseudo-random number generators exist now, and, I mean, they're so good they can be used without concern. Hmm. And, and what's cool about them is you the, – essentially, you, you start them in a known state, and you give them a key which determines the sequence of randomness. Well, now, we've seen this before, and we talked about it very early on in the um, Security Now podcast. Because RC4 was a the random the the sorry the pseudo random number generator used in the original WEP wireless uh, wired equi- equivalent privacy Wi-Fi encryption, which we know was so poorly implemented. I mean, it was that it, seed that was the problem. Well, it, it was that the people who used it didn't appreciate the 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 limitations and one of the things that was really the achilles heel is that the same number that is the same sequence got used multiple times yeah. same like, all, like using a one-time pad more than once exactly <laughs> yeah. i mean that's exactly what it was and and so they 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 Created some technology that wouldn't have this happening all the time, but the the number of total different sequences was so large was was not large enough that if you listen for a while, you couldn't pick up some reuse. And as soon as you pick up reuse of the same sequence, you're in trouble. Interesting. Okay, so let's go back. We have we have RC four which is a, a very nice pseudo-random number generator. What you need to do is you need to avoid what are now known as some weak keys that just don't, that don't initialize it very well, because basically it starts out with, with a, an array, a 256-byte array, that's filled with the values 0 through 255. The key is used to sort of pre-scramble that, and then, as you generate numbers with it, it continues to to churn within that array um additionally. Well, it turns out that all you have to do is throw away the first maybe two hundred and fifty six bytes that it generates because those tend to not be very random it sort of it takes a while to get going and and again, using these tools correctly is certainly important, and the you know the horrors of original wi fi show us all the ways in which you know you can go wrong and, and make mistakes in not using these these properly. But given that you had this, basically you could take a you could take a key and use RC4, throw away the first two hundred and fifty six bytes that it that it emits, then take the balance and and simply use that as your pad. So I mean, and it's really good encryption. Now you've got a a pseudo random sequence which is being used to to spin us our our encryption around the wheel until we we go a number the the number of steps around, for example, clockwise of the pseudo random number that's been emitted, and that's our symbol, and because. The pseudo-random sequence generator is so random and so good, it is also incredibly difficult to decrypt. Now, now we need to back off a little bit from impossible. True randomness that is mixed with the message cannot be decrypted. But because an algorithm was generated... Um w wh- I'm sorry, because an algorithm was used to generate the sequence, it's not absolutely truly random, random, random. Right. You know, it's just it's it's really good random, but it's not ab you know, it's it is okay, pseudo random. Right. So there's that there's that tiny weakness, but with really good pseudo random number generators encrypting a message with i mean virtually state of the art technology is just that simple hmm. you use an algorithm to produce random numbers and you 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 spin around the wheel now i want to talk about one last thing here um, for this first you know into the technology of cryptography and that's an operation which is performed all the time known as an exclusive or mm mm-hmm. Um, in in math, you know, there's like the the, the basic functions or and, and. For example, if you had two bits and you run them through an and function, well, you only get a a a one bit out when all of the inputs are true, or or you're you're feeding one in. Mm-hmm. With an or, you get a true value out or a one out if any of any one or more of the inputs is is true, then the OR function says, okay, I'm going to be true. An exclusive OR is an, is an interesting animal. It, it has two inputs, and the output is true if either input is true, but not both. So if you, if you like, make a little chart for yourself where you say, okay, you've got two inputs that are going to be zero and zero, so the output is zero. Now, the first input is 1, the second input is 0, True, and the the output is true. Exactly, 1. And the reverse. The first one is 0, the second one is is 1 or true, then the output is true. So it's only false if both are false. Or if both are true. Oh, it's false if both are true. Yes, that's the key. Huh. So if 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 the input, if the first input is 1 and the second input is 1, then the output is 0. Mm-hmm. So that's that's called what's called an exclusive, exclusive or as opposed it's to not, a regular old or. Exactly. Right. Well, what's very cool about this is if you if you look at this chart, you'll realize that the if you had like a signal coming in the first input that was going through the output. Now let's say that the second input is zero. So we have our signal coming through. If the signal's zero, the output's zero. If the the input signal's one, the output's one because our other input is zero. So this is having no effect. But if our second input is a one, look what happens. We put a zero in, and because the other input is a one, we get a one out. We put a one in, and because both of them are one, we get a zero out. In other words, this is inverting. It's sort of a conditional inverter. Hmm. If, if our second input is zero, there's no inversion of the data. But if our second input is one, anything we put in the input is is flipped over. We put in a one, we get out a zero. We put in a zero, we get out a one. So that's what an, an XOR operation does. Got it. Okay, so the reason that's cool is that it's reversible. That is to say... If you say that you had your clear text and you ran it through um, this XOR and it, it may or may not have inverted it, okay, then you run it through the XOR again. Well, if it had inverted it before, it will invert it now, and if it didn't before, it won't now. So the idea is it reverses the process. Mm. And and that ends up being a, a key function in cryptography. So now instead of talking about our symbols, let let's get away now from our, our little twenty-eight symbol wheel and talk about bytes. Because bytes is the way everything works in, you know, in everything that we're doing today. So we have an eight-bit byte of of clear text, that could be, you know, the whole ASCII character, it could be a byte of, of computer data, any 8-bit pattern. We then, we XOR that byte with an 8-bit pseudo-random value that came from our RC4 generator or whatever pseudo-random generator we're using, and that's going to produce this ciphertext, if we and and so we're done basically we we've we've by just taking our clear text byte and xoring all the bits with all the with the, the pseudo random bits from our generator we now have encrypted our byte and literally that's all that is being done today and it's reversible you know? and that's the beauty because yeah. you if you then take that and, and you, and, you know, you send it somewhere, you store it somewhere, you do whatever you want to with it. Doesn't matter because, I mean, it is at this point after running it through that XOR operation, XORing it, or, and, and that is to say mixing it with a, with a pseudo random value, it is now ciphered. That's all there is to it. You then, you, if, if you want to decipher it or decrypt it, um, someone wants to read your message, all they do is they do need to have the, the key for the pseudo-random sequence generator so that they're going to be spitting out the same random bytes. But they take your byte, XOR it with the byte, which will have been the same one you used, and because this XOR process is reversible, out drops your original byte. Isn't that slick? I've always it's, liked XOR. Always been one yeah. of my favorites. It's, fr- it's so elegant. Yeah, well it's just it's it's clean and what I love about this is this is so simple. I mean, what I'm describing is is exactly how many systems work today and as I promised you Leo, that's all there is to it. I mean, <laughs> everyone can understand this. Yeah. This yeah. is not I mean it's on some level I guess it's rocket science, but you know, and in fact the details of the pseudo random sequence generator that's spitting out these really good random bytes that's pretty hairy, you know, crypto math mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. But but if you have a stream of pseudo random bytes, you simply XOR them with your data and you get something out nothing in any reasonable time can crack.
0: It's really remarkable. Now I wish we had illustrations on this one because it, it is this is a tough one to do in audio. I mean I'm I'm impressed that you were able to explain this and I followed it, but it is tough.
1: Well, um, I want to try to do this because we're doing an audio podcast, right. and uh, and 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 draw the 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 examples. I, I think that going falling back to the decoder ring in order to sort of build up some vocabulary and then moving into bytes. I I, I would imagine we've probably held everyone here. Yeah. And so essentially, what we've just described is is for I mean absolutely symmetric key encryption. As it is used today, you have a we have we have a, a, a key that must be kept private, but because because that key allows someone to generate the same stream of pseudo random bytes, which are then XORed against the ciphertext in order to recreate the original plain text. So and and that's one of the keys. Now, you know, you mentioned early on of course, the problem with the one-time pad was that the person on the receiving end had to somehow get that ahead of time. Well, we've reduced the problem size, but we have not at all reduced the nature of the problem because right, the key right. still must be kept private. In the same way that the suitcase with the one-time pad had had to be kept out of enemy hands, even though we now have a key that lets us easily generate as much data as we want to, which is very cool, that's every, the secrecy of that key is every bit as important. And now we're going to, next time, we're going to talk about... Shh, don't tell them how we're going to solve this problem. <laughs> it turns out there are so, so very cool technologies that solve that so that it's possible to establish a communication with another party where where somebody eavesdropping can't gain the information they need to decode the conversation and that was the real revolution in uh, cryptography really it's a very cool thing yeah, so yeah. so here i just want to make sure people get it that you know this key that generates the random numbers now notice just not not the key itself or not the key alone but also all of the the machinery for generating the random numbers that has to be known too so somebody who was who was going to decrypt it basically needs to recreate the same stream of pseudo random data to xor against the ciphertext to create the clear text so they have to know what algorithm you're using the details of that and the key so more than just the key is necessary. But, but the problem is all that stuff has to be kept secret. Mm. And we know that you know secure, there is some, some security in obscurity, but it's not nearly as good as any security technology where, where you can just be completely open and say, here's what we're doing. Give it
0: your best shot. Wouldn't it be neat if we could just give our keys out and still have security? And we'll be talking about how that works Maybe in the coming well. weeks. Now, we won't do it next week because next week is a question and answer week, uh, our, our 32nd episode, every fourth episode. Steve uh, sits down and answers the mailbag, and there's a bunch of great questions for you, I know.
1: And now, thanks to this updated form on the page, we'll have a, we'll a better sense for <laughs> who and where people are, and That's I'll great. be able to answer people's questions, and we'll go from there.
0: Don't forget uh, to go to his website, com slash securitynow.htm for transcripts and 16-kilobit versions of the show, all his show notes, links, and so forth. And, of course, while you're there, check out Spinrite, which is the ultimate disc recovery and maintenance utility. I use it, and I encourage everybody to get a copy of Spinrite, Steve Gibson's incredible program.
1: Well, and now, now we've got info for anyone who wants to, uh, <laughs> to see some, some listener feedback. Yep, Let's Just go to Spinright.info. I can't believe you, Steve. This is A revolution. <laughs> a revolution. Do you have it? Have you ever had anything besides grc.com? Actually, I own spinright.com, and that brings you to my site also. Oh. And uh, and I've got various other little domains that I use here and there. But, you know, grc.com, of course, is the flagship.
0: That's the one. That's the one.
1: Well, we thank our flagship, uh, AOL Radio. They broadcast
0: us on their uh, podcast channel, and, of course, provide us the bandwidth so we can get this to you via. Podcasting. That's AOL.com slash podcasting for more information. I've got some great programs on there, including all the other Twit programs. They host them all. Steve Gibson will talk next week. Security now.